0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel Elmani. Second Corinthians chapter ten in verse three it says for though we walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The battle that we see in Iraq and Syria and Israel, the battle that we see is not a battle against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle. We are in a spiritual battle, unparalleled in the history of the world. Uh, we are in a battle that needs to be fought with spiritual weapons. You know, we can send all the bombs we like and we can send all the soldiers we like and and I, and I know we need to pray for our president that he would be given wisdom and our leaders and our soldiers, as we get ready to celebrate Veterans Day, the, the day that we honor those who have fought for our country and thank you so much for those of you who have. You know, what good is it? What what good is the is the blood of men without the blood of Jesus? We need to have this understanding in our hearts that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not... Weak and feeble and human, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So a lot of times I think we look at situations like this and we get frustrated and we think, well, there's nothing that can be done, and there's nothing that I can do, and and God is just saying, Oh yes, there is. I'm just looking for one. I'm looking for one who would dare to be a Daniel. Who would be eager to be an Esther? who would kneel and be a Nehemiah? when Nehemiah found out what was going on far, far away and here he was sitting in his palace, having a great time eating great food, experiencing the the good life. But when he found out the atrocities and the and the shame that was taking place. With his countrymen far, far away, he began to pray. He just began to pray. He said, Lord, is there anything I can do? Lord, work in Jerusalem. Lord, work in Israel. And for four months he prayed and and he fasted and he sought the Lord and he confessed his sins and he confessed the sins of his country. And so God raised him up. God raised him up. God used one man. Now of course he would need others and others would follow his leadership, but it was because one man sought God with all of his heart and and he restored the walls to Jerusalem and they built them in 52 days. It was absolutely amazing in spite of all the opposition that they were experiencing. And and then that then opened the doors for Ezra to come in and restore temple worship. And God restored his people. But I don't know. I think sometimes we we, we doubt. And I just... If there's one thing that I can at least, I I pray you would walk away with today. And I know you're going through your own struggles and your own trials. and, and, And I understand that. But I just really pray that everyone here would catch that vision and the biblical truth that God can use your life, which begins on your knees, to make a difference all the way across the world and 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 we have to begin by understanding the the weapons that we have. Do you understand that when you pray you're you're talking to God, and do you understand that if you're a christian you're covered in the blood of Jesus, and do you understand that the veil has been torn in two, and you can go in and then God you know can do the things that only he can do, and that's what we desire. You know last week, we finished Thessalonians, and I was really asking the Lord what to do. And the Lord just, he wouldn't allow me to escape addressing this issue with you as a church. You know, because we need to understand. Um, there's a real good verse, if you would go over to First Chronicles. And I always uh, mention this verse to you, and forgive me for being repetitive. But First Chronicles 12 and verse 32, it says, Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the time. To know what Israel ought to do. These were men in David's army. You are in the army of Jesus Christ. You are. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, Therefore, you know, if you want to be a good soldier, don't get entangled with the affairs of this life, that you may please him who enlisted you as a soldier. And so, as a soldier, you have to have a certain amount of intelligence, so to speak. We have to understand the times that we live in. Understand the times that we live in. Why? So that we can know what we ought, ought, ought to do. We're not going to know what we ought to do in God's army as God's soldiers unless we understand. The times that we live in. We are living in the, in the times in which Christ is coming. We are living in the times in which, you know, on the other side of the world, uh, children, Christian children, are being killed in front of the eyes of their parents and their hundreds and hundreds of being beheaded and crucified. You know and and a lot of times people are like, well, you know what? I got my life that's way over there, you know, and they and they bury their head, they don't realize it'll spread. See, we think of Ebola and we think, oh, Ebola's over there and I don't even know why these knuckleheads are going over there to help them anyways. That's why some people are, they're like, I can't believe they would go and, you know, treat and care for these people of West Africa. You know, and and the answer is is twofold. It finds its heart in, number one, to help them. To help them. I mean, if that was all it was. Acts 17 says, we have these pre-appointed times and locations where God has placed us to live. We are Americans. We have been blessed. With information and, and resources and technology to help those who can't help themselves. And so we go and we help them. And if that was it, then that's enough. But don't you know that if we don't help them, that it will continue to spread? And spread and spread to where eventually what we see today. Because all the, you know, we cross, this is a small planet now. It will hit home. And that's exactly what's happening with ISIS. I mean, we have, um, you know, men, American men, 2,000 from the West. They're still continuing to find their way over there to Iraq and Syria and even sometimes through cruise liners. They cross to the borders of Turkey. They are they are they are enticed through the animal appetites of absolute violence and sexual slavery. Uh the the poor Sunnis who live in the region are drawn by the thousand dollars a month they'll be paid if they fight for these well funded organizations. And then they go over there and the Westerners are attracted through their social media and Online magazines, and they go and they have their fun and they have their kill and they have their sex, and then they come back here trained. So, if left unchecked or unchallenged by the church, you know what's going to happen? I believe God would be grieved if we did nothing. I believe God would be angry if we did nothing. But here's the thing I don't know what to do yet. I don't know. You don't know. We have to seek the Lord. Have you been praying? Have you been praying on this? And you know, I know that your prayer life is such a battle. But this is what I was telling my son: pray and obey. Pray and obey. Stop sinning. Some people they don't care. They treat sin like it's nothing. Billy Sunday said they treat it like it's a, a, you know, a a, you know cream cake or something you know and and i and i i just want to encourage you guys that there will be no power in your prayers until you get right with the lord until you repent cuz you know i think of israel and i think of israel and they were you know there in the land and then remember there's a, a country over here on the east not too far um, uh, from what's happening today, and there's Assyria rising, Assyria rising. So the Israelites are hearing about this, the the terrible, barbaric, brutal atrocities of of Assyria, and 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 so you know while they're rising up and they're doing their damage, I believe God is speaking to them, and God is saying, "You got to get your heart right. You have to get your heart right." But they didn't. They kept playing games with God and so one day Assyria came 722 BC and took them away captive and so there's you know the southern kingdom of Judah and they saw everything that happened and then one day another country arose it was the Babylonians again brutal barbaric and God is warning the southern kingdom of Judah get your life right but they wouldn't they refused they continued to live in their sin and then the day came. It was three sieges. Ultimately, 586 to 605 B.C. They carried them away. You know, and if you're here today, and you're you know you're 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 not perfect, but you're proper. You're you're seeking God. You know, you have a, a beautiful balance of, of grace and holiness. I mean. You know, then praise God for that. I know there are some of you here that are loving the Lord. You're beautiful. It's amazing to see what God's doing in your life. But there are some here that I just I just know and I see it with my own eyes. You are not really living for the Lord. You're living for yourself. Do you think you can escape? You can't. I think when we look at these things and we see what's going on, I think that it's God saying to the church, you know, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to to be part of the answer. I want you to have an understanding of what's going on. Because if we have an understanding like the sons of Issachar, then and only then will we know what we ought to do. You know, and so uh, probably some of you here have done research, huh? I know I've, you know, read articles and books and, You know, I've done a lot of digging on this, and it's just crazy to see what is happening in our world. ISIS, it stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Some people refer to it as ISIL, which stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Levant. Now, in case you're wondering what that L is, what Levant is, uh, you just look it up, it's real simple to see that it describes the entire Mediterranean region, it includes uh, countries such as Cyprus and Jordan, Palestine, Syria, Turkey, and Israel. See, this is what they want, not just ISIS. They won't, be re- they won't be content with ISIS. Neither will they be content with ISIL. They will only be content with IS. And that means an Islamic state. And anyone who knows anything about fundamental Islam will tell you that they will not rest until the entire planet is an Islamic state, a caliphate. A caliphate is a people that are ruled by a caliph, and a caliph in Islam is simply the successor to Muhammad. And they see him with an absolute authority, and what that is, is that authority then brings everyone under what they call Sharia law. See, this is who we're dealing with. Just in case you're wondering... ISIS uh, believes they have found their caliph in the man that was seen on the video, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. And you saw in the video the fact that he was a prisoner for four years. When they released him in 2009, he told his American captors, I will see you in New York. Now again, not trying to freak anybody out, because you know what, as Christians, um, we're not... We're not afraid of anyone other than God, right? But what it is, is we have to understand what's going on, and we have to understand the reality of what we live in. You know, some people might be wondering, why are you covering this in the church? That's something so far away. And again, there are a number of reasons. Um, but. I'm pretty sure most of you know what's going on, but sometimes I wonder if we're aware of the spiritual ramifications that will affect our lives as well. That if things like this are left unchecked by the church, that God himself will deal with this because they will eventually and inevitably hit our soils and even our souls. And so God says, Here you are, Church of El at a crossroads. Understanding we're not a big church, Lord, and we don't have the resources some of the big churches have, and we're not the government, Lord, and we don't have the resources the government has. And and then the Lord says, oh, yes, you do. There's no such thing as a small church, because even a small church has a big God. We have God. Imagine if everyone here turned from their sin and started living for the Lord. Imagine if everyone here in this building right here got serious about their prayer life. I'm not saying you can't laugh and have fun you know, and do those other things, man, because God is such an amazing God. But when it's time to pray, it's time to pray. And when it's time to pray, it's time to believe in the God who can make a difference. Don't you read the Old Testament? Haven't you seen the way that God gave them victories? Do you believe in that? Do you doubt that? God is able. We got to seek him. I don't know about you, but I believe the church is to be involved in the fight against any and all evil and injustices here in our home and anywhere around the world. And, you know, we might not have all the information and I realize some of it is propaganda and sometimes it's hard to find out which is which, but God has all the information. What we need to know is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So let me just say a couple of things today. Uh, number one, there needs to be an understanding, an element of understanding. I'm not saying you have to be an expert in all this, but you know, even Billy Graham would watch the 6 o'clock news just to kind of get an idea of what's going on. There, there needs to be an element of understanding. And then number two, there needs to be an abundance of praying. Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. We pray on Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings and Sunday nights. And we're praying, hopefully, in other times. And just to let you know, your house is his house too. And Jesus said, the Father said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. I hope and and pray that we're seeking the Lord the way that we should. Because there needs to be an element of understanding and there needs to be an abundance of praying. After that, and it's only then that we can begin defending. And I see that little boy over there. And I see the soldier right here. And he's pointing a rifle at him in front of his parents. And I visualize myself coming between. And that soldier in prayer. And there's that young man, and he took pictures, and he put it online, and he sent it for the world to see about what it's like to live under Sharia law. Absolute, absolute slavery. And what do they do? They take him and they crucify him. This is the world that we live in. As God's soldiers, we need to know what's going on. We need to understand at least a little bit about this, uh, and I believe that we as a church need to understand two things. I would think we need to understand a little bit about our enemy, ISIS, and I believe we also need to understand a little bit about fundamental Islam. Now one thing I've got to share with you guys, and you got to know this, is that we as Christians, we are uh, we love everybody. If someone chooses to be an atheist, I love you. You have the freedom to choose. I will not persecute you. And if you want to be a Muslim, that's between you and, and God. And I I love you still. And I will never, ever persecute those who disagree with me. I disagree with them strongly. I believe Jesus is the only way the truth, and the life. I believe only He died and rose again and conquered death. I believe that firmly and strongly. I believe that everybody needs Jesus, but I will never persecute them or not give them the freedom to believe because God doesn't. And so we got to lay that out, but we also have to, you know, I don't know what they say, call a spade a spade. we got to be true and understand what Islam really teaches. Because I think a lot of times you're going to hear lies and politicians who want to be politically correct and re-elected just kind of say the same message and, and the same mantra and they don't know what the Quran really teaches. And we should know these things. We should know about ISIS, which is actually an outgrowth or break off from the terrorist group al Qaeda which you guys know happens to be the ones responsible for flying those planes into the Twin Towers in 9-11. And so, Al-Qaeda, they say, oh no, you guys can't be a part of us. Why? Because you're too brutal and barbaric. When they found the 21 page of Osama bin Laden where he had been captured, he was explaining why he wasn't a part of ISIS. It's it's an outbreak. This is how evil, we need to understand how evil this is. I'm sorry, but our little puny prayers that we spill off every once in a while before we're going to eat our tuna sandwich will not defeat these demons. They are so wicked. It is time to pray like you've never prayed. That is if, you care. I mean, Al Qaeda says you're too much for us. This is an extremely gr- evil group. We need to understand that. It's a, a well funded group. We saw here the world's richest terrorist organization bringing in, you know, $2 million a day, able to pay their soldiers. Uh, they control more firepower and territory than any jihadist organization in history. And we know they're set on establishing an Islamic state throughout the world. ISIS is led by their caliph, again, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, keeping in mind he's the successor to Muhammad, they say. And I think most of us are probably awakened to this when we saw the, the, the grisly videotapes of the beheading of James Foley. Uh, Later on, another American journalist, uh, Stephen Sotloff, and then British aid worker David Haynes. But you gotta know this. They have beheaded hundreds. Hundreds. You know, we saw in the video that they went from 10,000 fighters to 30,000 fighters in a matter of months, and governments are doing their best that they can to stop nationals from joining, but like I mentioned earlier, with the animal attraction of violence and sex and money, we can't stop these guys from going over there and then, as you know, coming back. And I don't say this to freak you out, but you've got to know what's going on. That they have, uh, they have verified 40 such men that have returned to America. And they're just following them. See, this is what we're facing. The rise of ISIS is partly a product of the group's ability to fund itself through the oil fields that they've captured. And basically, the U.S. officials, although I don't know if you've seen in the news lately, but they've been what they, you know, considered to be pretty successful in some of their airstrikes, uh, they have acknowledged the fact that this will be a protracted battle, meaning there's no end in sight. That is if you take God out of the equation. But what happens when you put God in the equation? And what happens if God's sitting up there on his throne right now? Or maybe God's here, and we know he is, in a special way, noticing that there are a group of people who believe. There are a group of people who believe in the God of the Bible. There are a group of people who care. Who care enough to take time out of their day and make it God's day and pray like Nehemiah, and you begin to pray, and then from there, I don't know what what God will do. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's just airstrikes. Some say, "Well, you know, you got to send in foot soldiers. You're not going to get anything done without that." And only the Lord knows. But I do know this, and it has to start. With prayer, and then there's also other options. I received an email. It was a prayer request from a missions department in one of the larger calvaries, and they sent it to me. and It's it's firsthand. It's not you know sifted through any media. It's it's a firsthand prayer request from an organization that is in Iraq right now. It's uh, it's called Cry. It's Crisis uh, Resources. Intervention, what's it called again? I always forget. Crisis Relief Institution, see? The CRI. And they're there in Iraq. And uh, and the prayer request they sent was just like I told you, that, that in this village over here, they killed the kids in front of the parents. Many had fled. Now they're coming to their village. And this is real. They tell the kids renounce Jesus. They said that in that village, none of the kids did. They all died. But if you go on that website, uh, Crisis Relief Institution, you'll see uh, some of the prayer requests that they're posting, and you'll see some of the amazing people that are going there. I was just messing with my wife last night. I told her, "Man, I think I'm going to go over to Iraq and and be part of this ministry because they are so beautiful. They're they're so they're helping the wounded and they're taking care of their physical needs and they're training the soldiers who are going then go out in the front line and they're they're right there doing that thing. And at the same time, it is all about Jesus, you know. But of course." She wouldn't let me. She even got mad at me <laughs> a little bit. No, I was just like tongue in cheek. I you know, all I'm saying is that, you know, we pray and then God shows us what to do. But it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Don't expect God to give you marching orders until you really pray, until you really seek the Lord. Because what we find is that, man, we have to have an understanding. We're living in days in which, I, I, I remember that saying, all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Aren't you glad that the, you know, like the Lakers aren't doing good this year? You don't have to get stra- distracted with them. You don't have to get distracted with anything. Again, like I said, you know, we have our fun, we do our thing, I watch a movie, I leave it to Beaver every once in a while, I hang out with my kids, but my life is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's calling me to do a deeper intercession. I believe He's calling you there too. I believe He's calling us to be deeper in the Word. I believe He's calling us to be deeply committed. I believe He's calling us to the place where, you know, the sin that easily besets you, that you keep doing over and over and over again, that you stop it. Because we got to have we have to have holy hands there needs to be an understanding of these things in galatians chapter 6 verse 10 it says therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith galatians 6:10 talks about how you know and it was funny when you study this in theology uh, they'll tell you that christians are responsible to israel Genesis 12, verse 3, We have a certain responsibility to pray for Israel and to support Israel. God will bless us if we do, and He'll curse us if we don't. We have a certain responsibility to all people, but especially Christians. And so when you see the Christian minorities in Iraq suffering the things that we're suffering, understand that we have a responsibility to do good to them. The Bible says especially Christians to those who are Christians. So we can't just sit back and do nothing because in doing so, we're disobeying God's word. We have to do good to them. You know, when I think of this right here, I'll be honest with you, I think of Uriah. And I think of Uriah, if you remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David had taken himself out of the battle. When it was time for kings to go into the battle, he stayed home. And he stayed in the palace. One day he goes up on the roof and he sees Bathsheba. He falls into sexual sin with her. She gets pregnant. And so David says, what can I do to get out of this? He calls Uriah back out of the battle. And he says, come back here, you know, have a little drink and go home and sleep with your wife. You guys remember what Uriah did? Man, it blows me away. Uriah said, how could I? How could I do that? There's Joab, my master, in the battle on the front lines, and they're over there. They're sleeping in tents. They're not eating good food. They're not enjoying it. How could I live this life when they're over there in that battle? And I feel that way sometimes. Not to, not to get weird, because I know there needs to be a balance here, but you got to know that you know, there's a battle out there that we belong in. we got to pray we have to understand what's going on in in isis we have to understand you know fundamental islam and you know it's weird cuz i was going through this yesterday and and basically let me just share this with you muhammad when he established islam you know at first you know you got some pretty peaceful passages in the quran but then eventually as time progressed and he grew in military might and he experienced Christians and Jews who were not willing to bow down to his false religion, that's when he became violent. And that's when you can read all the violent passages in the Quran. You know, um, for example, you know, how could they crucify somebody? Right? How could they do that? Well, they could do that because in Surah 5:33 of the Quran, it tells them that anyone who opposes Allah can be crucified. It's just face value in their Bible. You know, when you read their their Quran in Surah Chapter 9 in verse 5, it commands Muslims to convert non-believers to Islam by force. It says, And when the sacred months have passed, then kill the polytheists wherever you find them. So the Muslim is commanded to kill the polytheists, which they define as anyone other who believes in anyone other than God, and especially the Christians, because they don't understand the Trinity. And, you know, there's a hundred million Islamic fundamentalists in the world that we live in. In Surah 8.65, it says, O Prophet, urge the believers... To battle. And you read about you know, jihad, and you read about so many other verses where the Quran commands Muslims not to befriend Jews or Christians. In Surah 551, the Quran commands Muslims to fight non Muslims until they exterminate all the religions. In Surah 2 193. You see, Muslims, they divide the world into two camps. One is called Dar al-Harb, that's the camp of war, where Jews and Christians live. The other camp is Dar al-Salam, it's the camp of peace, where Muslims live. And so they believe that holy war against those who live in the camp of war should continue until they are exterminated. And they dream of the global Islamic empire and believe that if they destroy America and the western countries, then they will achieve their dream. And there's so much more i could tell you about how they believe if a guy straps bombs to his body and goes in and kills innocent civilians laying down his life they call him a martyr and he goes immediately to the seventh heaven with an endless amount of virgin's forever celestial sex it's it's just when you read the quran and again you know i know some of you here you know uh muslims who are nice people i'm not saying you categorize everybody into that camp. Um, They would be what we would call liberal Muslims. You know how you have liberal Christians? Um, You guys know you're fundamental Christians. Did you know that? You believe the Bible, right? And you take it at face value. You believe in the literal return of Christ, a thousand year reign, heaven and hell, Jesus is the way. Uh, You believe that. We're fundamentalists. There are liberals out there who don't take it that way. Well, that's what happens in Islam. So, you know, you've got to love everybody, but you've got to know, you know, what's going on. You have to have an understanding of what's happening. You know, what we see as we study the scriptures is that God is calling us to this place where it's a battle not against flesh and blood, but it's a battle. Against principalities and powers, and there needs to be, I believe, for us as Christians, you know, and I, and I think just what happens is we get distracted, and and I'll, I'll I'll just share this with you, okay? This is just my personal testimony that my my day, a lot of times I just want it to be to be my day, Lord. I want to kick back on the couch today, and Lord, I want to you know just relax. You're good with that, right? And, uh, you know, I want to go. And, and, you know, I, I think um, in America there's a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of amusement. And, uh, and, again, you know, there needs to be a balance with all those things because God has given us, you know, all these things, you know, richly to enjoy. But I do think that we are, are being called to be a better steward of his time. And there are a lot of people, I think, in the church. They don't know how to pray. They they don't really know how to pray, and they're not really praying. And they go and maybe they spend their ten minutes or fifteen minutes, if if you know you're doing you know pretty good compared to most of the church, but you're not really praying. And what God is saying is, this, I'm looking for for someone like Nehemiah. I'm looking for someone like Daniel. And maybe, maybe that might that might be you. That might be you. And the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of one another. Because we gather together in order to stir up love and good works. And that's my prayer that we gather together and that and by God's grace, His word and His spirit, that He would stir us up, you know, to a life of love and, and good works that will impact this world that we're living. One, one last verse and another one, it's again, so common. and part of me wants to uh, apologize, but then I understand that I don't really need to, but if you go over to Second Chronicles, chapter seven and, and verse fourteen. I think about this drought that we're in, okay, so we haven't had and I'm bummed out because I can't wash down my driveway. I'm like, man, you know Mexicans like to do that, Lord. <laughs> and again, I don't want to get weird or anything. I'm trying not to get weird, but I'm also just trying to like to think. That rain comes from God. And, you know, maybe we need to get right. Maybe we need to pray for rain. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I just know that it's time really to, 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 to just take this a lot more seriously. And here in uh, Second Chronicles 7.14, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now I know this was a promise given to Israel and there's a certain you know, precept that's etched in this towards them. But there is a principle, I think, that we can pull out. And that is that, you know, like I was saying earlier, if I could just simplify it, it's time to pray and obey. Pray and obey. You're not going to be perfect, but there are certain things that maybe you're being a little bit too, in, along the lines of more like sloppy agape. You haven't been living in, as a holy, godly man that you know that you can live and be and, and pray and seek. And, and what he's saying is just humble yourself, Manny. Turn from your wicked ways. Pray. And, and who knows what God will do. I can't see any other answer. Not if they're going to leave the next generation, a land that we would like to leave them with. And so what do we have to do? We have to have an understanding. There needs to be an element of understanding, and there needs to be an abundance of praying. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, it says, Pray for your leaders that they would get saved. That we can live a peaceable life, and so make sure you're praying for your president, your governor, all those making decisions. You know, thank God for some of the victories we got, but you know we need the Lord, right? Pray for them. The Bible says in Hebrews thirteen three, you pray for those who are in prison or Christians who are being mistreated around the world. Pray for those who are in prison as if you're chained with them. Remember them. Don't don't forget them. You know, as we have communion today, let me just close with one last thing. Over in uh, Joshua chapter five, there was a that that account where towards the end of the chapter, you know, he sees a man. He goes near the area of Jericho and he sees a man uh, with a sword. And so Joshua goes up to the, the man. And he says, "Are you for us or against us?" And the man says, "No." He doesn't say, I'm for you or against you. He just says, no, (laughs) no. But as the captain of the army of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. And you guys knew who that man was? It was Jesus. Jesus. The captain of the army of the Lord of hosts. And this is what he said, Joshua, this is what I need you to do. Take off your shoes. Because the place where you stand is holy ground. And what we believe, and I've always been taught, what that means is this is not the work of man. This is the work of God, you know. And and for us as Christians, man, um, we're living in some crazy days where God is just wondering who's going to step up. And my encouragement to you would that, that we would all be open to that. You know, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and, and you don't know, you know, where you would stand, if you were in the presence of God, where you would go, my prayer is that as we close the service today, that you would make a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's really only two that, that you know, we see in the world, the believers and the non-believers. I mean, the the Christian and the non-Christian, the saints and the ain'ts, Right? Which one are you? Maybe you're here today and you've been hurting or you're going through trials. Your marriage is suffering. Your your kids are all over the place. You know, you can't find peace. You can't find a job. You can't find a reason to live. Because that's what happens when the Lord is not really the Lord of your life. But He loves you. And that's why He brought you here today. And He died on a cross for you. The Bible says Jesus died on that cross and He bore all our sins. They put Him in a grave and He rose again to conquer death and to prove to us that we could follow Him. And the Bible says, and it's so beautiful, you don't have to you know, go to Mecca, you don't have to pray certain you know, days or hours of the day, you don't have to earn your way to heaven. You can never earn your way to heaven. You will never be able to go to heaven on your good works. The Bible says the good news is all you have to do is believe. Give God your heart and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a gift. I could give you my, my mini iPad, right? And it would and be free. I can't charge you a penny for it because then it wouldn't be free. It's a gift. And some of you here would say, can I have that gift, right? But the church here today has a much greater gift to give you. It's the gift of heaven. It's the gift of heaven. It's the gift of forgiveness. It's the gift of Jesus. And all you have to do is receive. So if you haven't done that yet, I pray that today you would do that. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us and Lord, just uh, knowing, I remember the day I got saved, it was it was you, Lord, and it's not a work that any man could do. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes i I get in the way. But how I long and I cry out that people here who don't know you would take that step and give their life to you. And so I pray you would do that work. And if you're here today and you want to receive Christ, then I just want to lead you in a prayer. You just mean it from your heart. And if you're sincere and if you mean it, I want you to know God will hear you. And God will write your name in the book of life. And one day when, when, when we die and you stand before him, you're going to go to heaven because you received Christ. Let's pray. You pray this prayer if you want Jesus. Say, Lord, I, I come to you today. And I admit I have sinned. But I turn from my sins. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your love. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to live life as a Christian. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte, at air code six two six four five four three four one four. Remember that Jesus loves you.